Hi, I'm Brad Blaylock. And I'm Brad McKeon, and welcome to The Brad Report. Brad Report contains spoilers. This episode is brought to you by Couch Pillows. Is it decorative or is it functional? You decide. The Brad Report can be found on Apple, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Anchor, and Spotify. Please rate and review us five stars only and make sure you subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Brad Report. Last time, we talked about Avengers Age of Ultron, the second team up of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this week, we'll be belly flopping into the debut of Ant-Man. And kicking it off with our summary, I'm going to toss it to my co-host. Forced out of his own company by former protege Darren Cross, Dr. Hank Pym recruits the talents of Scott Lang, a master thief just released from prison. Lang becomes Ant-Man, trained by Pym, and armed with a suit that allows him to shrink in size possess superhuman strength, and control an army of ants. The miniature hero must use his new skills to prevent Cross, also known as Yellow Jacket, from perfecting the same technology and using it as a weapon for evil. Nice summary. Thank you, Google. Thank you, Google. Um, All right, so I'll kick us off with our themes. The first theme, I think... It's pretty apparent, and if you have it, we can talk about it together. But I have, uh, you know, the father and the child relationships with, you know, with Hank and Hope, with Hank and Scott to some extent, and then Hank and um, Darren, and then Scott and his daughter, and, you know, all these father and child relationships. The fatherhood, I guess fatherhood in general is more of a theme of just you know, um, leading, uh, apprenticeship, teaching, all those things and how most of them have, especially the older characters have unhealthy relationships with their fathers, but Scott's trying to, uh, have a healthy relationship with his daughter, um, Cassie. And so it's, it's there's, you just see a lot of that dynamic throughout the film, which is a lot of the the drama and is is hinging on that father relationship. Yeah, I think I think specifically the relationship with with the daughter, father daughter relationship. Father daughter, yeah. Um, you see that with Pam and his, his his daughter. You see it with Scott Lang and his daughter. Um, so I do think it's it is a, a, a parent parent um, child. That's the word. Yeah, child. Good thing of child. <laughs> I'm, uh, who is it? Ultron. I'm pulling yeah. an Ultron there. I couldn't remember what the word child was. But yeah, you see that, but I think it is specifically father-daughter in this, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, kind of a special, unique relationship, right? Daddy's little girl, all that stuff. Oh, of course. Yeah. So it's good. Yeah. Um, I mean, redemption is a big theme, and that's, I mean, it's kind of a cookie-cutter theme, but, you know, Scott Lang is in prison when we meet him, right? Or he's getting out of prison, and he, you know, he is presented as this master thief, and um, is recruited because of that. He's recruited because of his kind of unseemly characteristics, if you will. But like over the course of the movie, he's redeemed into this great father and this good guy who 
becomes a hero by the end of it. Yeah, no, I I had that theme as well. You know, second chances. Hank Pym has this whole speech to Scott about uh-huh. second chances and making it right and redemption. And uh, there's a theme of reconciliation where Hope is working with Dr. Pym, but even though they haven't fully reconciled yet, she's holding on to bitterness and, and he's not being forthright and honest with her about why he's made certain decisions that's greatly affected her and traumatized her. So, but yeah, redemption for, for Hank redemption for Scott. And unfortunately there is no redemption for Darren cross. Yeah. What did, We'll talk about Cross a little bit later, but what did you think about it? Did you think he... Okay, let me ask you this. Is there another villain in the MCU that he reminds you a lot of, his storyline? His storyline? Um, I'm sure there is. I mean, it's kind of like the the protege. It seemed like Obadiah. Obadiah, yeah. yeah. That's a, it's just like bald businessman that's working with the... They're smart, but they're not quite as smart as the person that is the is same in charge of the company. Pretty, it's yeah. pretty much the same story as Obadiah. Yeah, except he's younger than right. I he's mean, younger than Pym, and um, Obadiah was older than Tony. Sure, but still, the like second in command, some trying to take over the company type of deal. Yeah, um, clearly a bad guy. Right. Yeah. Um, needs some mental health counseling, and yeah. Yeah, we'll get into him more, more where there's some things that I'm, I just think, I'm like, wow, this is why you're a villain? Like, you couldn't get over this? Anyways, <laughs> um, uh, my, uh, my, my final theme is sort of possession and property. Okay. And the way that they talk about uh, the Pym particles specifically mm-hmm. with uh, Howard Stark at the beginning who – um, discovered an element <laughs> saying the pin particle is the most lev- revolutionary technology ever devised. We've got to use it. And then Darren Cross is trying to take possession of it. And so that idea or recreated that idea of when you create something that can change the world, who does that belong to? Yeah. Is that theme and what that Hank has the, the ability to give it to whoever he wants to. He can give it to his daughter, Hope if he wants to, but he never does. And he's like, this is my creation. I own it. I decide. And yeah. But then when, when Darren cross recreates it differently, does that then belong to him and not to Hank? What do you think? I don't know. I, 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 I was thinking through that and I was like, I don't know who it belongs to at that point. Cause you know, if someone comes up with an idea but a hundred years later is like, does it belong to them or does it belong to the person who originally had the idea, you know, or not even a hundred years, but like a few years later, what do you think? So like, I guess like when you, like, are there certain discoveries that are too big to, to belong to the person who discovers them? I don't think so. I don't know. Like you discover like an entirely new element. Like, do you, do you? I don't. To, I don't know why you wouldn't want to share that. Well, uh, like, do you get to own that? Like, is is that yours, or does that just belong to humanity in general? I would want to say it belongs to humanity, but at the same time, if it's like one of those things where, uh, you know, Frankenstein's monster kind of thing, it's like, oh well, we shouldn't have messed with this to begin with, right? 
quote unquote, we see that in, in literature all the time, but played out would just, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. What do you, what do you think? Do you think it, there's uh, anything that can, is too big to, or, or if someone creates it, it shouldn't belong to them. It, you know, the, the Iron Man and the Tony Stark suits, you know, he's in Iron Man too. He's brought before that hearing. He says, they're mine. You can't have them. Yeah. So it's kind of, it, I mean, it's kind of nebulous and not like super, um, I guess like ironed out, but I do think they're like, like Tony, Tony took existing things and built something new, uh, discovering a new particle or something like that level. I don't know that you can own that, right? Like if you discover a new planet or something, like you're the yeah. first astronomer and sure it may be named after you, but I don't know that you can own that planet. It, yeah. It's just, it's just there and it belongs to the universe. Yeah. I mean, I think it's something like, well, I mean, now we're getting into like the patent system and all that stuff. And sure. It's just like, well, how does that play into not, I guess movies, they're movies, so it doesn't really matter, but into real life, you know, those kinds of things. Anyways, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Do you have any more themes? Uh, yeah, just uh, finding and cherishing mentors, right? So I think men- my mentors are like a super common theme in superhero movies, right? It's the uh, um, the Yoda, the, the Obi Wan Kenobi, know, the Mr. Mr. Fox, or yeah, Professor Charles Xavier, and Alfred. Right now yeah. we have Hank, Hank Pym for Ant Man. Um, and it's just, you know, he's the, uh, oh, what's the the stage in Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey? It's the, uh, the, cult the magical, adventure. no, it's the like the, the mystical mi- uh, mentor or whatever, yeah. the old man in the forest. Um, and I think that's that, that Hank Pym is awesome. And uh, what's his name? Michael Douglas. Yeah, Michael Douglas. I think he's great in this movie. Him and Paul Rudd together are fun because they're so different. Yeah. But it works really well. Yeah, it is fun. So... Yeah, that's really great. Uh, and he does a because, you know, Tony doesn't really have much of a mentor, um, except briefly. Um, mentors usually die pretty soon in the MCU, right? Well, Tony still has that that moment in the hero's journey when he's in the cave. Yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. And then and Steve as well, right after he takes the serum, and Thor has Odin, sort of technically, right? And so you you see it, but you don't see it this much. You know, he's one of the key figures that sticks around and plays a major part throughout the whole film as the mentor. Okay. Uh, storytelling. This is another origin story. Surprise, surprise, but of the second generation of Ant-Man. So in the comics, Hank Pym, you know, they kind of explain this, but he was the Ant-Man and right. he was the one that was hanging out with, with Tony Stark, with the Hulk, with Captain America, with the Wasp, and you know he was going on those adventures, but they changed that up differently. What did you think of that? I mean, I don't have, I didn't have like a preconceived notion of Ant Man, or I never read the Ant Man, you know, comics or whatever, so I didn't really care one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Did you have any strong feelings about about that? I mean, I read a lot of the Avengers comics uh, with my brother. He and so Hank Pym and they kind of they get away from this in the movie is that he's a very unliked character for very specific reasons. Like the Avengers don't like him. 
yeah, the Avengers don't like him. And he's he's just a jerk. Okay. He's a jerk. He beats his wife. You know, oh. he's got some personality disorders that makes him violent. And he's just a jerk. And they try and do some story rebuilding and rectifying that because that was a part of the comics that with his wife janet like there is a panel and it's pretty pretty famous where he where he where he hits her abuses her physically and so i think it was kind of wise for them to say like hey you're not going to be the hero we're going to make it scott lang yeah so i think it was wise in that sense but i did not know that yeah now you know what well, i i did i did like see i did like all the flashbacks of Hank Pym and Mr. Stark and Shield and um, Peggy, Agent Carter, yeah, 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 it was all there. I thought that was really fun. I thought that was interesting history. Yeah, I think it's cool that they they kind of build on that and that it's not just all the heroes right now. That there were heroes yeah. that had these superpowers, you know, like Captain America in the forties or in the seventies, eighties, nineties. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it was really cool. So with Scott Lang, we get a bit of this Robin Hood thief with a with a heart of gold theme. Or it seemed that way. You know, he he stole from these wealthy people that were kind of crooked, and that's how he ended up in jail. Mm-hmm. And then again, he's he and his friends, his crew are thieves. What what did you think of this Robin Hood theme or as a storytelling device? I thought it was a I thought it was a cool theme. This movie wasn't very uh, this movie is very different from a lot of the other Marvel movies in the sense that it's very low stakes, right? Like, if this movie fails, it's just, uh, or if the if the heroes fail in this, it's just technology falls in the wrong hands, right? It's an Ultron where he's trying to wipe out the world, or um, Guardians of the Galaxy where the galaxy is getting wiped out, or anything like that. And it's probably the the most low stakes movie of phase two, right? And this is the, the ending of phase two. So it makes mm-hmm. sense. And it makes sense that the character's powers to shrink has the smallest stakes. Um, but no, I, and I like the Robin Hood thing. I think it plays well. Um, I think that even though that's kind of a unique theme in MC, this movie still kind of feels like copy paste mm-hmm. hero movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's pretty predictable. I found to be, with the as soon as he says hey don't mess with the regulator yeah as soon as he said that i said oh there's going to be a point in the movie where he's going to mess with the regulator and he's going to be fine you know so that's uh yeah i thought it was i thought it was fine and i agree with you that there was a lot of a lot of copy paste um and the last bit of note is that Edgar Wright, who did, you know, Hot Fuzz, Baby Driver, mm-hmm. all those things, he was originally hired and then left due to quote-unquote creative differences. Well, I think he wrote five different scripts for this movie. Yeah. Five, five different versions of the script. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this movie was in development before Iron Man. Yeah. Being in development. And so I imagine there was like a pretty big shift in – um. The vision, just vision, and like where they want to go with MC as a whole, and all that stuff. Because I mean, they started this before even Iron Man was. was so yeah, yeah, so, back in like two thousand six or seven, right? Before that, and so I imagine they uh, had a very different feel for what they wanted this to be by then. So yeah. I get it, but I mean, Adam, Mc- but they had Adam McKay to you know. rewrite it and. 
Paul Rudd rewrite to his Yeah. Yeah. So it was fun. Do you know that uh, Edgar Wright says he still has never seen this movie? Ah, uh, he's hurt. He says he never will. He's hurt, man. He's heartbroken. Artist or delicate? <laughs> So getting into some characters, uh, first off, we have Scott Lang, Ant-Man number two. What did you think of Paul Rudd's Scott Lang, Ant-Man? I thought it was really good. I think that the MCU does a really good job of taking actors that you wouldn't pick for roles and then making them seem like there's no one else who could have played that role. Yeah. And this is another really good um like example of that, like Paul Rudd just fits Ant Man so well, and mm-hmm. is like a little quippy humor and um, just kind of like the, his his kind of general demeanor is really good. I don't know that you buy. He seems like a Ted Lasso kind of character. Yeah, I don't know that you really buy him as the like super villain thief at the beginning they portray him as necessarily, yeah. but once he comes into his own of the kind of good natured, good hearted. Um, guy who's trying to do the right thing. I think he he does it really well. Yeah, yeah. I think he does a great job as well. You know, his humor. I mean, he's a comedian, or he's and guy that does comedy movies, and his timing was really good, and how he words and phrases things, mm-hmm. and so. But yeah, as the kind of as this hardened criminal person, you're kind of left with a question mark, like really, but. Then as he starts to train and fight and be basically just this kind of computer-generated miniature character running around in the world, like, okay, I get this. And he's, he names an Aunt Anthony, you know. It's funny. It's endearing. All right. So what about – so we already talked about Dr. Hank Pym a little bit. Yeah. The mentor. Anything else to add? Oh, no. I think he's, uh, I think he's great. Michael Douglas is great. What did you think of the kind of, um, I guess, de-aging CGI of Michael Douglas? I thought it looked decent enough. I thought it looked really good. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, and, yeah, I thought it looked good enough. It was it was passable, better than we, CGI we've seen in uh, um, other movies or other de-agings or other, um, you know, people are getting their faces changed. Like maybe even in star Wars rogue one, it doesn't look as good or yeah. even in the Irishman, they're de-aging. It just, it just doesn't look right, you know, but I thought this one was really, really solid. So he's, he's great. You know, he's, he's a, he's a grouchy old man, a scientist that's used to being smarter than everyone. And that definitely comes across in how he, he treats Scott and Hope and Darren and mm-hmm. uh, very arrogant, but also he he's trying to keep the world from destroying itself or keeping the world protected from this particle. Yeah, I don't know if they would. I don't. I mean, I don't think we'd get it at this point because it's kind of late. But I do think it'd be cool to get in. Well, I say that I didn't know the backstory originally. I was thinking it'd be cool to get like a, a movie of the original Ant Man, mm-hmm. but now with this comic backstory, I'm not sure it'd be that as cool. Well, I think they um, for this. He seems like a different. The, he seems, he, like a, he, seems a, he's, he seems to be a different character, right? Which is good, <laughs> but 
yeah, we'll see. I don't know if uh, I don't think we would get that, but it'd yeah, be kind of interesting. Yeah, maybe in a in a what if. Ah, yeah, there you in go. In a what if. All right, Hope, Evangeline Lilly. First question: What did you think of her hair in this movie? Um, is that sexist of me? <laughs> I, I hope not. Uh, I, I don't know. That's fine. I didn't like the the hair so much. I think that's comics accurate hair, but I think in the sequel they do better. But anyway, she's super awesome. Okay. Uh, she's super super cool. She's basically teaching. She kicks Scott's butt all, all the over time. the place. Yeah, because she was ready. She was ready. She's been ready. Mm-hmm. And she's, she even says, you know, I'm the right choice for this, but Hank Pym doesn't choose her because he's afraid that he'll lose her, but she, she's great. She's, you know, she doesn't, she's not a damsel in distress, which is not, we haven't seen that a ton except for Black Widow up to this point. And she's she's really really awesome. She does a great job. She's protecting herself. She's infiltrating. She's spying on Darren Cross for her dad, and she's great. All right, now maybe one of my favorite characters, Luis. What'd you think of him? Why why is he one of your favorite characters? I just think he's funny. Uh, I really just like the way he tells the story. Yeah, that's. Basically, it. Michael Pena does a really good job with yeah, him. doing the comedy and uh, you know, um, just he, he does a good job of embodying that character that plays off of Scott really well. And they're two kind of positive, funny guys that are thieves, but they seem like they they get along well and they have a, do have a friendship. Yeah. So. Then I agree, he's funny. They they play off each other very well. Yeah. Okay. Darren Cross, Yellow Jacket. You said you wanted to get into him. Well, I just thought he, I just thought he was a very boring villain because I feel, and you know, I don't love when villains are essentially just the same character but bad as the good right? guy. Yeah, like they have the same powers essentially. They're just the bad guy. Um, and I know that his is a little different because he flies and he has lasers, but he's still a guy who shrinks really small and yeah. is stronger than normal. Yeah, I thought he he's super forgettable. Yeah as a villain and even his motive of my mentor didn't like me enough. Mm-hmm. That's why I became a villain. So I could seize control of the world is super lame motivation. Just like with Aldrich Killian. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And last, but certainly not least, well, definitely the least in this movie uh, Sam Wilson, the Falcon. I felt like putting him on here because we are the Falcon and Winter Soldier is going on right now. So that's true. But he gets his butt handed to him. He does. I, I don't know that it's super fair to him though. I mean, Sam is Sam is awesome, and his show is great. I can't wait to talk about it in the future. But he doesn't have any real superpowers. Yeah, he has a machine that lets him fly, but it doesn't even give him like extra strength or extra agility or anything like that. And so I don't think it's super fair for him to fight anyone with with abilities. (laughs) Yeah, no, he's yeah, absolutely not. Okay. That concludes our characters. Not a lot of them. Uh, Well, I guess we should mention Cassie. We should mention Cassie. uh, Scott's daughter briefly. Um, She's just so sweet. Mm -hmm. She's so adorable. Absolutely. And yeah, I love the part where uh, a few parts where Scott gives her the doll. She's like, she's so, he's so ugly. I love him. And then, 
uh, she's asking her stepdad, are you going to try and find him? He's like, oh, yeah, we just want to keep her safe, keep him safe. He's like, she's like, hope you don't catch him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Quotes and scenes. All right. So let's do, are we doing scenes first or quotes first? I have quotes first. Okay. You want to start us off? Yeah, I gotcha. So this is um, after um, Scott's broken out of jail. He's back in the Pim's house. And after he's done all this explanation, he says, excuse me, doc, Dr. Pim. He says, you don't have to raise your hand, Scott. And he says, okay, I just have one question. Who are you? Who is she? What the hell is going on? And can I go back to jail now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, Hank says it's a trial by fire, Scott, or in this case, water. The bathtub fills with water. Scott jumps out. Well, guess you're tougher than you thought. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, so this one is from, from Hank. It's kind of embodies that redemption theme. It's the second chances don't come around all that often. I suggest you take a really close look at it. This is your chance to earn the look in your daughter's eyes to become the hero that she already thinks you are. Mm -hmm. That's a good, that's a good quote. Yeah. Cause kids do kind of like instinctually, not every case, right? Obviously like you have a decent parent, but like kids kind of instinctually do think that their parents are. Like these superhero figures. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was really small and we were at a pool in the summer and it was in the deep end that was 12 feet deep. And I just, I had no concept for 12 feet deep. It was mm -hmm. just like, oh, it's deep. And my dad's kind of hanging on to the side, treading water, watching me, making sure that when I jump in, in off the low dive that like I'm safe. And then he's like, all right, you know, we're only going to do a few more. I can't touch, touch the bottom of the pool here. And to me, I was like, what do you mean? You can't touch the bottom of the pool. You're my dad. Like you, you're tall and you're huge. Like, what do you mean? You can't touch the, it's only 12 feet, dad. Surely you can touch the bottom of the right. pool. But yeah. Um, Is it my turn? Uh, yes. yes. Baskin Robbins always finds out. <laughs> that was really funny. Well, funny. Baskin Robbins always finds out. Um, my, okay. My next one is my days of breaking into places and stealing stuff are over. What do you need me to do? I want you to break into a place and steal some stuff. And Scott goes, makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You have any more? Uh, one more Frank to Frank and Hank Pim. Long time. No see Dr. Pim. How's your timer? How's your face? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, so my last one is with Scott and Sam. And Scott says, don't worry, he can't see me. Sam says, I can see you. Scott says, he can see me. Then he uh, scales up and then he unlatches his helmet and goes, hi, I'm Scott. And Hope goes, did, did he, he just, just say, say hi, I'm Scott? Scott. <laughs> that was really funny. Uh, okay, scenes. You want to go first? Yeah, my favorite scene in this movie is the the uh, Thomas the Choo Choo Train fight. Yes, I have that as my first that one too. It's a really cool scene. It's really cool, and it's really funny because he's throwing these cars, uh -huh. and then he's blasting them, and then when they actually do hit him, like nothing happens. Well, it, it, it's you know they're throwing it, and when they're zoomed in, it looks awesome because they're throwing these things. They're like four, you know, five, ten times their size, each other. They're blasting them out of the sky. It's awesome. And then the, I think, is it Wasp or Ant-Man that gets hit by the train? I think it's Wasp, right? Or not Wasp, but uh, Yellow, Yellow Jacket. Jacket. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he kind of even like holds up his hands like, oh, no, I'm going to get hit. And then zooms out and the train like just casually falls over. Yep. 
Uh, yeah, I had that as my first uh, scene as well. Uh, Luis telling stories when they kind of do the flashbacks. It's kind of, uh, you know, drunk history yeah. when they're all doing Luis's voice. And it's really funny to see how they're all talking about this stuff. And it, it's just really, really funny. I think that's part of the Edgar Wright script that continued probably was true to because that seems like a very Edgar Wright uh thing for him to do stylistically sure so but that was that was really really a lot of fun yep i really enjoyed the journey through the quantum realm yeah when when scott shrinks so small beautiful i thought it looked really great yeah and i thought that was a really unique way to design that and um yeah i thought it was good yeah absolutely so my last one i guess it was just the kind of the training montage as he's messing up and uh, he can't get through the door. He can't get through the door. And then he's still struggling to learn about all these ants. And, yeah. you know, any training montage is, you know, it's a training montage. Yeah. That's it good. is what it is. Uh, last, uh, I like Ant- Antony. Yeah. I think he's great in the scene where um, Scott finally kind of masters riding him and, um, and he brings him into the battle. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, only in a because he's a normal ant. He's, he's a normal, he's ant, a normal yeah, ant, a flying ant. Only in a Marvel slash Disney movie will they make you care about the life of an ant. You know, R.I.P. Anthony. All right, getting into some questions. Question number one: Does Ant Man have the best superpowers? Like of everyone in the Avengers. So, out of everyone we've seen right now, or do you think he has one of the best superpowers? I mean, he's obviously... I mean, he's obviously very effective. Very effective. Right? And I mean, being able to go super small has its obvious advantages, as does being able to go really large, which I guess he doesn't do that in this movie, but... Uh, is it hinted at? Do they hint at it? I mean, they movie? hint the at the Goliath. Yeah, I think they hint at it a little bit, and it definitely comes up in Ant Man and the Wasp, right? And obviously in uh, Civil War as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, he's super powerful and can kick a lot of butt. I don't know if he has the. I mean, obviously, like Wanda and Thor are going to be more powerful mm-hmm. than him. Yeah, but if you can go into the quantum realm, that was that's what one of the things that I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. As at the end, he just he takes out his regulator and then he just smashes through all that stuff. And like, how do you? How do you fight against somebody that can obviously doesn't have a great way of controlling it yet, but if he were fighting against Iron Man, you know, or someone else that they're like, oh, we're about to kill this, your kids. And he's like, just goes super, super small and like smashes through their atoms and stuff. Right. But that's kind of like a last ditch effort. That's not something that you have regularly in your arsenal. That's what more of what I was thinking, you know? Yeah, and that's a good point. But I still feel like somebody like like Wanda is going to be able to 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 stop or Doctor Strange yeah. slow down time mm-hmm. and stop him. But after that, I mean, like he's definitely taking Steve in a fight. He's taking Iron Man in a fight. He's yeah. taking um, can probably take the Hulk. I'm gonna assume. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty powerful. He's pretty powerful. Okay. Um, we're going to skip that one question. Uh, okay. What well, number three. So at that part of the movie, the, the Hydra agent, the guy that, uh, Hank beeps up 
earlier in the movie. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mitchell Carson, who's obviously a Hydra agent, even when he's on the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. board in the 90s. Uh, do you think we see him grab some pin particles? Yeah. Or some cross particles or whatever. So do you think we're going to see that in the future? Because even at the end of Endgame, we have not seen it. Yeah, I think we'll see it eventually. I mean, because you look at the Falcon Winter Soldier um, episodes now, and I mean, spoilers, the superhuman serum is super important. And like they're bringing that back, right? Continues to be. Right. They keep bringing that back. So I feel like eventually there's going to be some payoff for um, the bad guys getting their hands on some of the pin particles. Because, and even if it's like a random show, like three, three or so um, of these shows later, it'll come back up, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Last question Who has the best performance in this movie? Paul Rudd. Yeah. I think Paul Rudd's really funny and genuine in this yeah. movie. Yeah, he really carries it. So I think Paul Rudd as well. Okay. Now we get to the point in our show where with our MCU, where we're going to do some rankings, um, doing off of the Rank Kings podcast, where, but this time we're going to do all of our heroes, all of the villains, mm-hmm. and all of the movies that we've covered up to this point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So you usually go first. I'll go first this time. Okay. So number one, Captain America. Number two, Black Widow. Number three, Rocket Raccoon. Number four, Iron Man. Number five, Vision. Number six, Quicksilver. Number seven, Wanda. Uh, Number eight, Ant-Man. Number nine, Thor. Number 10, Star-Lord. Number 11, Gamora. Number 12, Drax. Number 13, Groot. Number 14, Hulk. Number 15, Falcon. 16, Hawkeye. Number 17, War Machine. Okay. Ours aren't that different. Yeah, uh, you made me feel real guilty about dropping Iron Man down so much. So <laughs> so I bumped him up. Yeah, they weren't that different, though. So I would number one, Iron Man. Two, Black Widow. Three, Star-Lord. Four, Rocket. Five, Gamora. Six, Captain America. Seven, Falcon. Eight, Drax. Nine, Groot. Ten, Ant-Man. Eleven, Hulk. Twelve, Hawkeye. Thirteen, Wanda. Fourteen, Thor. Fifteen, Vision. Sixteen, War Machine. And last, Quicksilver. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. That's because true. he died. 40, he died forty minutes after. Uh, yeah, that's he true. was introduced. That's true. Very valid. Yeah. As soon as everybody else gets another movies, they're all going to jump up above him. Yeah, and there's some of these that I know are going to jump up for me as we talk about other things. Yeah, absolutely. And but some people will continue to stay at the bottom. Sorry, War Machine. Rip. Rip. Uh, All right, villain. Number one, Loki. Number two, Red Skull. Number three, Obadiah Stane. Number four, Ultron. Number five, Ronan. Number six, Alexander Pierce. Number seven, Vanco. Number eight, Abomination. Number nine, Aldrich Killian. Number 10, Darren Cross. Number 11, Malekith. Okay. I had number one, Loki. Two, Aldrich Killian. Three, Obadiah. Four, Ultron. Five Ronan, six Red Skull, seven Alexander Pierce, eight uh, I put Yellow Jacket, but Darren Cross, mm-hmm. nine Ivan Vanko, ten Abomination, eleven Malekith. Yeah, super good. Malekith is so bad, so bad, mm. so bad. Okay, for my movies, I have number one Captain America: The Winter Soldier, number two Iron Man, number three Guardians of the Galaxy, number four uh, Captain America: First Avengers. Number five, The Avengers. Number six, Iron Man 2. Number seven, Age of Ultron. Number eight, Ant-Man. Number nine, 
Thor, number 10, Incredible Hulk, number 11, Iron Man 3, number 12, Thor, The Dark World. Okay. We actually have Ant-Man in the exact same spot. So I have one, Iron Man, two, Guardians of the Galaxy, three, Winter Soldier, four, The Avengers, five, Iron Man, three, six, Captain America, the first Avenger, seven, Ultron, eight, Ant-Man, nine, Iron Man, two, 10, Thor, 11, Incredible Hulk, and 12, Dark World. Dark World. It is a dark world for Thor, the Dark World. That is right. Um, all right. Overreactions, overall reflections, final grade. What'd you give it? Yeah. I mean, I enjoy this movie. I think it is a very standard, just Marvel. Um, like, here's our formula. Yeah. Here's where we put it in. It is a, a B movie yeah. for me, and I enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I gave it a B as well. And the same thing is that while it's, you know, you could watch this pretty much any day and you'd be like, oh, that was satisfactory, entertaining mm-hmm. for an hour. But at this point where you're you're churning out so many movies, the formula gets repetitive and that's when you start to think, man, I wish we'd do something a little different. Yeah. Or take, a, take a few risks. Yeah, I agree. So that's where I leave it. It's solid. It's still funny. A good movie. Still a good movie. That's where it is. Yep. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for another episode of The Brad Report. We hope that you dug what you heard. We hope that you will like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, follow us on social media. And until next time, love you 3000.